guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How you doing, Quincy? I'm doing good. How are you, Ryan? I am doing well. I actually, um, my, uh, I'm reading right now Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. Um, oh, by... me too! Yeah, wait, are you shitting me? We're both actually reading the same book at no, the same time. No, we're, we're book buddies. We're reading the same book. We That's... are book buddies. Ah, oh, it's so good. It's such a good book. I I love it, and it's it's great because like, uh, this is exactly the kind of book I wanted to read, which is like a book about the mortuary sciences written by someone who's not a gross ghoul man. Yeah, the only other thing I've ever read about mortuary science that is good, although I've heard Mary Roach's book is good. Oh yeah, is um, parting the formaldehyde curtain. Have you ever read that essay? <laughs> I've, I know I have not. I'm googling it furiously. So it's it's one of those often anthologized in so in in academic uh, parlance. Hold on, I'm I can't think and Google part the formaldehyde <laughs> curtain. <laughs> right. So Jessica Mitford wrote this essay called "Behind the Formaldehyde Curtain," where she writes a process analysis on how bodies are embalmed. To emphasize how unnatural and awful it is and how it's actually a bunch of bullshit because uh, people just can't accept death. And, like, they talk about how, you know, they break bones to set jaws in an attractive way and Mm -hmm. they reconstruct noses and all kinds of shit. And, like, that's so fascinating that I'm happy to read um, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, too, because it's, it's even more down-to-earth than that essay yeah. was. It, it sounds like we've gentrified death somehow. <laughs> like, we're not just oh, content to let definitely. it be. We, we got it. I, I, honestly, I think, um, because I, um, years and years ago, like when I was a teenager, I um, thought that I wanted to be a mortician before realizing that actually you have to be kind of good at things to do that, and that's when I, I dropped out of it. But mostly the one that weirded me out was the, the fact that you they sew every orifice shut um, to prevent any of the uh, embalming fluid from leaking out of you, and I think it's comforting to know that it's really hard to get buried alive these days. Yeah, it, it's not uh, it's not very Victorian anymore. So the snow is melting uh, here in my hometown, uh, which made it perfect to watch uh, Walking Out because it's a movie about freezing in the snow. <laughs> oh man, so you're just it's a it's a snowy week for you. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about this first movie. Uh, Walking Out was provided to us by AMP International. What's up? Their PR contact straight up said, this isn't a good fit for your show, but I guess you can watch it and talk about it. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, here's what But I don't know. I think is. it's got some uh, thriller beats. I don't think it's, it's able to escape our uh, gnarly grasp. Now, and, and this is the thing, is, like, technically it is not a horror movie, but it does ping my panic response because I am terrified. Like, the thought of getting lost in the woods, in in the snow, out in the middle of fucking nowhere, like, that freaks my shit out pretty bad. Right. It's dad and son get lost in the woods and have to fight bears. <laughs> yeah, and this son, who's a, a, a slight little waif of a thing, so I relate. Um, he's got a he accidentally shoots his dad in the leg while he's in a tree, 
and has to carry his big dad around on his back Yoda style for most of the movie. Yeah, and and the whole time I'm like, there, this is not going to end well. And we won't <laughs> no. spoil the movie, but um, would you recommend walking out? Um, now, here's, okay. Now, I don't want to shit all over a movie that was graciously provided to us with the caveat that this may not be a great fit for a show that features things like Return of the Living Dead and, and uh, Evil Ed and all of the other wild bullshit we've done. But I will say... It is sl- it glacial would be the unfortunate adjective I would put on that. Like it takes a while to get going, and even when the fucking bears pop out, even that's not. A, I mean, that made my heart race, and then immediately back to no soundtrack, wandering across a frozen landscape. But it kind of trades on dread in that way, in a very interesting way, because. The movie, the tagline of the movie is survival runs in their blood. And the whole thing is dad and son go on a camping trip and the dad says, leave your phone at home. You won't need that in the woods. So you're like, awful shit's gonna happen. Yeah, and then also it's got um, Bill Pullman in it, which is a big plus. Um, As the, uh, like in flashback, as the the grandfather. Um, Bill Pullman, I, is he okay? (laughs) I'm worried about Bill Pullman. Like... I feel like he, Independence Day happened, and that was big. Yeah. And then he opened up a bed and breakfast on the countryside? What the fuck happened? <laughs> I guess. So I, I do feel like this movie does deserve to be talked about, because it definitely trades on uh, thriller beats. Mm-hmm. Like, it's supposed to make you nervous, the whole movie. Well, and actually, and I think this opens up a bigger conversation about... Um, non-horror media that has horror elements because i think there's a lot of stuff that could not go on the same horror rack uh, alongside like night of the living dead that absolutely do have bits of it that are uh, trading on a horror atmosphere or invoke like you said dread yes i think this movie's fine i just want to rank it and move on um (laughs) yep um do you think it works as, like, the the whole movie's about, like, a teenage son who's too busy playing uh, those damn cell phone video games. Uh, the, the dad actually games. says, get off your damn phone. Yup, yup. So, uh, actually, quick question, Quincy. Did that speak to you at all as a father where you sort of, do you sometimes feel the phrase, get off your damn phone, sort of welling up within your lungs, or have you gotten there yet? No, I, you know, I think that uh, Bad Dads is our generation's Vietnam, uh, to quote Matt Fisher. That's great. Um, So I'm kind of, like, over it. Yeah, yeah, the the being, like, Power Dad yelling guy. Well, Power Dad yelling guy or mourning, you know, the relationship I have or had with my father and, you know, all that. So, like, Mm -hmm. watching a movie that is about a father and son building this relationship and only through this crucible do they really get each other. Like, I, I like it. But I'm also not sure if I need that. This is this is the dad industrial complex 
is what this is. Um, yes, and, yes. And, 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 and speaking as someone who I, I've had historically a contentious relationship with fathers because I conversely had a dad who wasn't really around, but then a very present shitty father figure, it this didn't do much for me in terms of, like, dad themes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... It's fine. Where's the just fine part of our list? <laughs> oh, just fine. I would say it's that's... It's watchable. I'd say check it out, uh-huh. but... I would say you know. it's fine would be around where the grudge is. Yeah. Uh, that's actually... Number 90. Way higher. Yeah, so um, I'd say it's better than Hounds of Love. Oh, for sure it's better than Hounds of Love. Um, I don't... Uh, I would not put this above Maniac Cop 2... I cannot, um, in good conscience, put it above Maniac Cop 2 either. <laughs> I'm glad that I've evoked strong uh, feelings of righteousness in you about Maniac Cop 2. Um, okay, so you know what this movie doesn't have? What's up? A man on fire. <laughs> that is fucking... That is correct. It doesn't feature Bruce Campbell, and it doesn't feature a tie-in rap, so there's no way this is going above <laughs> Maniac Cop 2. So number 89 is Walking Out. Yeah, and go watch again, it. It's good. And once again, it's thank worth you, watching. Thank you for the screeners, guys. Like, legitimately, y'all. Like, if you if you're going for like slow pace, maybe it's early in the morning and you're trying to wake up and you want something to put on to kind of you know focus and think about snowy landscapes and fatherhood. This is the movie for you. Yes. So the next movie we're going to talk about is 2017's Bloodlands. Uh, this screener yeah. was provided to us by Castle Films. Pretty sure this has real butchering in it. This has shoot slaughterhouse footage. Like, yes, like it, or, actual shot in <laughs> the like Balkan it, Mountains went to a butcher and there it is. <laughs> no, yeah, it either features like legitimate slaughterhouse footage or some of the best practical effects I've ever seen and I think it's the first one. Yeah, yeah, it's defo because later you see them like cut the camera away like you see the guy, um, one of the weird uh, cult guys, like, slaughter uh, that goat, and then it cuts away as he puts the axe down, and then you just see a bucket of guts. So you could tell, like, we can only shoot these. Because basically they just let the actors stand in front of the guys at the butcher shop while they're butchering a, a sheep. So <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Which then... I, I'm immediately thinking of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and that whole bit where it's talking about the slaughterhouse and how the hammers have been done away with and now they've got the big bolt guns. Yeah, yeah. So, did you get? Have you had a chance to see this movie? Um, I I saw the first half of it, but now here's here's the problem for me. I started watching this after I had already watched. Um, two of the other movies we had on the list, um, both of which were very slow moving, and I think my attention span was was tapped out. So, I think what's a shame is the third act does not fuck around. So describe to me the third act. Okay, so this movie's a really tight, tense, supernatural kind of brooding there's uh the the movie starts with a quote about Balkan blood feuds and how if you start a feud you got to finish it to the last man right. 
and like these are the old ways and uh people in the mountains still remember and then the movies about you know it's one of those uh i really like this kind of movie the minimalist family drama it's actually a family drama but there's also horror stuff in it oh yeah like the like you mentioned uh, the the untamed is another example of like tense family drama with supernatural elements yeah yeah uh, a family drama with genre trapping kind of draped over it so mm-hmm. this movie is very much um daughter wants to move abroad son is a artist but has to not be a photographer because his dad wants him to take the family business uh son is in love with the neighborhood girl that's gonna move away because she's going to grad school and he's stuck in this dead-end town the dad has sunk all of his money in this butcher shop that sucks he the one customer we see in the entire movie says yeah i need goat and he's like lamb's good enough and the guy's like no i want goat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and lamb the man and the goat, father runs the man out of his store. He's like, "You're too good for lamb. Get out of here." <laughs> and then he goes home to his wife and says, "We didn't make any money today." That's how you run a goddamn butcher shop. What? It's not good enough for you. you chase him out with a meat cleaver. So, so the conflict is he can't sell his meat, but um, weird mountain people are rustling through his trash and eating his trash meat. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you can't steal my meat. you got to ask me for it. And then they start a feud with this mountain family who also uh, have a witch that's raising them. Mm-hmm. And the third act is literally the family says, we're sick and tired of this, and grab guns and go into the mountains, and uh, they're prepared to end the feud, like, guns a-blazing. And it really is, they go and, like... It's a shoot 'em up for thirty minutes of a movie. Jesus, I wish that I'd started watching halfway through and not the beginning. That's kind of how I felt about it. It's very slow, and I, I hate to talk about all these movies being slow because when I watched it, I did not think this is taking forever. But the third mm-hmm. act is such a drastic departure. I was like, "All right, now, now you've hooked me," but it took three acts to hook me in. Well, it sounds like you're describing like when you've got a glass ketchup bottle and you're thunking on the back of it with your palm and then it's nothing, nothing, nothing. Splore! Exactly what this movie everything is. Everything comes is a out. glass ketchup bottle. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, you're describing to me like Balkan blood feud slaughterhouse movie. That should be my shit. And it sounds like it actually makes good on that uh, in the second half of it. It reminds me about... So one of my favorite things to do as a kid was surf the cable when my mom was taking a nap and I watched Mm -hmm. all kinds of shit I wasn't supposed to. And the reason why I love Phantasm so much is because I originally watched the last 30 minutes of it. Oh, Jesus. And, like, you know, I've seen Mosquito with Gunnar Hansen, but only the good part at the end. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, in fairness, if you'd seen the preceding hour in Phantasm, I don't think you would have understood it any better. Right, right. So, like, you know, I have this this thing for a very classic uh, story structure hour and a half. Like, the, the, the end of RoboCop by itself. Right, just splattery and fucking yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, like, that kind of largesse is my favorite, and this movie definitely does that. Now, actually, there's something to be said about that as, like, a sort of unintended, like, sort of ghost in the machine of, like, the format of when you were a kid watching stuff on cable and how that informs, like, how we consume media as adults. Is When you were that kid catching the last half hour of RoboCop all the time, 
how does that shape what you expect movies to do? I mean, it definitely it shapes that last half hour shoot 'em up, go get 'em scene. Like the the small conflict, the bigger conflict, the last. But I mean, that's Joseph Campbell, hero of a thousand faces. That's like, oh yeah. There's some kind of you know structuralist need for that. And also, if we're looking at the big Hollywood movie machine, it's really hard in 2017 to make a movie without using that structure we've kind of ex- come to expect it and a lot of times when we complain yeah. we talk about how it doesn't fit traditional you know movie narrative it doesn't use act structure well and that, that was one of the big and honestly like that was one of the big complaints about three billboards outside Ebbing, missouri that i i think that there's so many legit critiques about that movie but the pacing to me is not one of them like because i myself like when i saw three billboards and left i was like I feel some kind of way about the pacing and how this movie didn't really conform to an act structure and a bunch of weird bullshit just happens. But then I realized, like, oh, so it's almost like every movie and every story doesn't have to conform to that formula. And if it's rich and weird and interesting and you can kind of chew on it, that's okay. Yeah. So if I was to rank it, I'd say it can't be better than Prom Night 2. But I mm-hmm. think it's better than Raw Force because Raw Force is one of those gonzo, just a bunch of weird shit thrown together. Oh, yeah. I mean, Raw Force was like three different movies kind of chained together into one. Yeah. So it's better than Raw Force, but not as good as Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. <laughs> I have I, actually, honestly, I feel like that movie's um, stock has gone up for me because of how many times I've rewatched it since watching it for this podcast. It's really good. What? It's a fucking great movie, and I, I sort of want it to... I feel like it doesn't get the proper respect uh, in horror circles. If anything, and we... the mileage, perhaps the overuse I've gotten out of the guy getting electrocuted by the computer but looks like he's typing furiously uh, <laughs> gif, you know, that's... that's yeah. That alone is really good. It's a per- it's a perfect gift. Also, the and, fact yeah. that the only thing it has to do with the original prom night is it takes place at a prom. Yes, and actually, I was I kind of wish that that had like presaged like a series of prom related movies that all happened to start with prom night, like an anthology. Yes. Okay, so but. our next screener, just knocking these screeners out, is the short film "The Decaying World," uh, provided by to us by the director Daniel Dunnigan. Yep. Honestly, I kind of love The Decaying World. So, when I first watched it, it is so short that I was upset. I was like, this is nothing. And the more I think about it, the more I love it. Because it is a zombie movie, but it is... Is it a spoiler to say how it ends? I I th- let, let's go ahead and spoil. Okay, so it's a zombie movie where uh, one of the characters says "fuck it" and kills herself. Right, and I think I love it so much because the more I think about it, it is so 2017 in the fact mm-hmm. that this white dude is trying to save this black woman and is like, "Come on, we can make it if we only try. We can keep going," and she says, "No," and kills herself. Nah. Nah, fuck you, buddy. Yeah, honestly, like, I was watching that, and, like, I, I think I actually out loud muttered, yeah, mood. And they literally have to climb a ladder, and he tries to drag her up the ladder. 
Jesus. And honestly, like, and first of all, the effects in this are fucking great. Yeah, yeah. The the zombies are awesome. Um, it's really great for. It says so much in so little. Yeah, definitely. And also, I think um, I've started getting into shorts as a as a thing since doing the podcast because um, previously, I think I just I had previously seen a lot of really garbage um, horror shorts on YouTube and kind of decided that like, oh, so that's just every short, Listen, right? Like they're, they're out there. <laughs> oh, they're they're out here and it's terrible. Um, the worst one, I think, is the uh, the fan movies about like Freddy Krueger, where it's some dude getting his buddy to do his best Freddy Krueger impersonation, and it's just uh, sad and embarrassing. But honestly, like, especially uh, this movie, it does, it, it accomplishes exactly what it needs to in, like, what, five minutes? Yeah, less than that. Less than that. It's, it's such um, a fuck you dagger twist. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, now here's the, and, and yet you don't like the ending of Happy Hunting. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think the, the the difference is Happy Hunting is I'm going to make you care about a character for an hour and a half and then kill him off, and this is, you don't have time to get invested, so it's just a nice, like, twist. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's, yeah, that's not even me being like, and the ending of Happy Hunting was great. Like, no, it, I think I laughed because it was so fucking garbage. <laughs> Like it was just it was like a it was like a, a a wet fart where it was just like why wouldn't that happen? Awesome. So the decaying world reminds me a lot of the short film Lost Encounter. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't think because that, both of them are like shoestring, micro budget, but really good at like this this small moment. Yeah, and I feel like if it is shoestring, micro budget, you need to have something like that. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just sort of like, all right, well, that was certainly two minutes of my life. Now, the problem with that is Lost Encounter is really low. I would say it's better than Lost Encounter, but that means it's got to be better than Daguerreotype. Well, I mean, it's better than Lost Encounter purely because it has effects of any kind. And not that a thing needs effects. It can be a tight, perfectly fine horror movie without really good effects. But I feel like this actually left me with a feeling in the way that Lost Encounter did not. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's better than Gantz because it's tasteful. <laughs> it is for sure better than Ganto. Um, I don't think it's better than Deathbed, though. I would agree, actually. Thank you for taking the words right out of my mouth. Like, Deathbed, <laughs> I think, leaves me with more of the hashtag vibe than this. Although, I mean shockingly like a two minute minute and a half long movie is not able to leave me with as much of a mood as an hour and a half movie about a bed that eats fried chicken but but i mean just that clip of the bed eating fried chicken <laughs> and wine is enough to... i'm 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 so angry that by the way that hasn't been gift and i think it's on me to gif it because that's actually my my emotional response to everything in my life right now is just bed eating fried chicken and wine <laughs> Like, that's the truth of my soul. So, does The Decaying World go above or below 2016's Daguerreotype? Above. It goes Because above. it's not a crazy dream. I never in my life... I was so mad when they pulled that fucking Saint Elsewhere shit. Um, especially after the, like, what, hour and a half of, like... 
slower. It's than like a, a two and a half hour movie. Oh, it's like it's yeah, forever long. God, I, it's like an X Files pilot episode. Like I lost time thing <laughs> with, with daguerreotype, where like I, I raised my head and suddenly it was seven o'clock at night and I didn't know where I was, but I knew that I was sleeping. <laughs> Okay, so number 137 is Danielle Dunnigan's The Decaying World. I can't wait for her next project, too. Yeah, that was actually, that was the thing I was left with, was like, all right, now let's, I, I can't wait to see what the next thing you do is going to be after this, like, sort of minute and a half long, like, wow, all right. Okay, full disclosure, we whipped through those really fast because we're going to spend probably the rest of the episode on the next movie on our list. Shit, yes, we are. And the one we're going to be talking about is uh, it's a documentary currently on Netflix called Haunters, The Art of the Scare. I love this movie. I'm struggling not to clap in my microphone because yes. that would sound like butt, but I <laughs> loved this movie. Yeah, same. Like, And this was... Um, all right, so 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 uh, Haunters, The Art of the Scare is a documentary about uh, people who uh, run haunted houses and perform in haunted houses and are generally into the uh, uh, the Halloween industrial complex where it's like we're doing we're doing some ghoul shit for Halloween to scare people. Yeah, and I think what's important is I had no idea the levels of haunted house. Oh yeah. And they actually have someone from each level. You have the what you call a neighborhood haunt, which is just like your I put on a haunted house for my neighbors. Mm-hmm. Uh, at no profit, just, you know, because I love it. Yeah. You have the um, the for-profit neighborhood haunt, which is, you know, you run it out of your home, but you charge an exorbitant fee. And then you have, like, the professional, like, not-scary-farm-level haunted house. Right. And then you get into an, an altogether different thing. Yeah, yeah, you have torture haunted houses. The extreme... What are they called in the movie? It's like... Extreme haunts, I think. Extreme haunts. Basically where you're simulated raped, you're waterboarded, you're... You gotta put cockroaches in your mouth, you gotta... They'll shave your head, they'll... And, and, and alright, so here's the thing. Um, the guy... They'll put dog shit on you. Right, they'll, they'll shove your face down in dog shit. Uh, and and I um, just to get this out of the way, I fucking hate everything about that. Me too. I just feel like that is such a. I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of the the way to put it. You're gonna probably have to cut that dead space out. No, please. but I feel like it's such a. Unless you want to just keep my wearied side. <laughs> I actually, I tell you what, you keep that in, and I will add montage music in the background as you find the correct words to describe this fucking thing. <laughs> I think it's just such a sign of, well, privilege. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. My life is so good that I need to manufacture trauma. That's exactly right. Like, your life has to be so good and easy and bereft of problems that you need to, like, go to this guy. Now, and and it's a guy, right? His name is Redacted, and he's gained some amount of uh, notoriety on the internet because... So this guy runs a thing called McKamey Manor, and you gotta uh, sign a waiver... And also there are dudes shoving you and verbally abusing you while you, while you read through the waiver, so you can't really read the whole thing and then sign it. Um, and then basically you're, um, 
they simulate kidnapping you, so they, like, stuff a thing over your head and throw you in a van and take you to this guy's fucking gross house. And then for eight hours, eight goddamned hours, they're able to basically attempt to psychologically break you. Um... Well, it's a load of bullshit, let me tell you. It's 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 done in bad faith. I think what's fascinating about it is they interview people who have gone on the quote ride, unquote. Mm-hmm. They've they've done the experience. And you have people watching so the whole thing is filmed, uh, because oh, that's very uh, important. I think a significant amount of the revenue is made from YouTube views. So the whole experience is filmed, and it's also documented in this documentary. And you have these people watching the documentary footage, and some of them say that's the moment when, you know, in all, in so many words, the soul left my body. That's the moment I actually thought I was dying. That's the moment I was ready to leave, all that. Yeah. And then you have other people that as soon as it's over, they say, now I want to do this to someone else. Oh, that was... Oh, God. Okay, 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 yeah. So there are these two dudes that show up dressed... And it's not just the two dudes. There no, are no. other, you know, uh, several people say, when can I help? Yeah, it's like a microcosm of how people respond to trauma. Because, all right, so the, the one that weirded me out was like these two dudes that are brothers uh, that for some reason were dressed as Mario and Luigi. Um, because you're brothers, I think I they guess. tell you it's Halloween, wear a costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they, you know, you, you see the guy getting, like, one of these guys passes out while they're, like, simulating drowning and dunking his head underwater, and for a minute there, in the documentary, it's like, oh shit, did we lose him? And then the guy, he, he had passed out, but then he comes back, and then afterward he's like, yeah, I want to do this to people, and it's like, how, what is wrong with you? Like, what? And this is why we like true crime, I think, right? Is how yeah, does a yeah. how how does a human brain get to a place where it decides that that's okay? So, um, Chet McMahon is very litigious, uh, at least to the point where, if it's not like actual legal, he's definitely the kind of guy that is an internet harasser. So, mm, Charles um, McMingus, yeah, yeah, uh, Roman. Uh, Mick Rains. So uh, <laughs> it's true. Roman Reigns waterboarded me <laughs> in his basement, and he was mocking me the whole time. Um, so yeah. So apparently he's a fairly litigious fella. Hey, listen. If you want to, this is his yard. <laughs> uh, this is terrible. But now I'm just picturing somebody like yelling Roman Reigns catchphrases while like torturing someone. You know, we could go in this business uh, and do that. Oh, shit. Actually, I, I'm pretty sure uh, to listen to a large swaths of the uh, internet wrestling community, that's how they describe Raw, is that they're just getting tortured while Roman Reigns yells at them, and this is the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone. Now, I don't watch Raw anymore oh, because I don't like Woman Wayne. Woman Wayne. Yeah, I also don't care to watch Raw because, here's the thing, three goddamn hours? Get out of my house. Yeah, yeah, I don't have three. I'm wasting my three hours watching other bullshit. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm discerning. I am watching Deathbed on my Tuesday evening. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, Steve McMurray, uh, he... Now, my problem with this dude, uh, aside from everything... Is that he masturbates to this footage? Oh, that dude is 100% pulling rope to the, the, the hours upon hours 
of footage of people sobbing and vomiting and being forced to swallow their own vomit and crying. Just gripping that chewy tube till it's raw. <laughs> he is cranking that hog. And the thing is, if you want to picture um, Jerry McMichaels, he looks like your nightmare little league coach. He's got a big dopey yeah, face yeah. and he's just real friendly. And wouldn't you know it, this guy is a wedding DJ. Of course he is. Yeah. And I feel like in another five years, I'm going to pick up my wife's People magazine and it'll be no one saw it happen. Or like the next season of The Jinx is going to be about this dude. Yeah. Like I'm and, and, and now it's funny because like so um, my partner and I both fell down a research hole about um, John McMahon and both realized Chad Nickelback <laughs> Chad Nickelback is a monster and so we were like researching the student and because both of us were fascinated by like how has this obvious fucking sadistic little shit monster man not been arrested at any point and then we realized like oh it's because one person called the cops the cops came talked to him they really like the guy and think that this whole thing is really cool and then didn't arrest him now in the documentary they show footage of Abu Ghraib. And yes, they do. This, and this dude talking about it where he's like, yeah, I mean, the liberal media was pretty mean about it. But, and you can tell that this dude is just super into fucking torture. Yes. Um, and, and part of it is they have a sociologist saying she the, there's a sociologist that says the reason why we have uh, Chet McNasty and his ilk <laughs> is because um, of that. It, the the. Um, piling on effect that we saw real torture yeah so that we became desensitized and she actually talks about how saw and hostile kind of escalated as a reaction to seeing the horrors of war right of what we've Our done to people general public is like oh that's not so bad i mean i remember the first time i was on you're the man now dog and accidentally <laughs> right. clicked and uh an execution video. Yeah. And saw, you know, execution. And I'm not happy about that. But, I mean, yeah, you get to a point where you say that doesn't look real versus, I mean, you know, this looks real. Well, like, we, I mean, we've been out here making Bud Dwyer jokes since, like, the 90s. Like, and, and, and the thing is, so, like, even with desensitization, now, my one of my main beefs um, with Jerry, uh, Jerry McManswet is that he has no skin in the game here by which i mean uh they go into the documentary about how I mean, like to be fair he's got foreskin in the game ah uh, because he's cranking his hog and, and the thing is he um the documentary is like he's yeah, cranking he's... more hogs than harley davidson on biker <laughs> weekend in daytona this guy is pounding his put day and night also his wife left him which i'm very excited about um and he <laughs> that's that's a post documentary revelation by the way because <laughs> We fell down that hole. Oh yeah, yeah. They really, I really, at the end of the documentary, wish that they had done like the where are they now, where are they now freeze frame with text, and it had just been like his wife fucking left him. Um, but let's talk about how everyone else in this movie is a precious, kind soul, and oh, I want the my... best for them. Yes, yes, yes. There's um. So the the one lady in this who is like a haunt legend. She, I want her to be my aunt. 
Yeah. I also like how every spouse in this movie's like, yeah, I don't get this. <laughs> the poor It doesn't make sense. The long suffering spouses. And her her dude is like a sweet, soft spoken, bespectacled fella, and he's like I love my monster wife, and I don't always understand her, but I support her, and I worry about her. I think what's really a bummer about Smiley is she talks about how often she's assaulted. Oh my god, that was harrowing. That, like, apparently, uh, this one time, these three dudes who were, like, drunk or something, three dudes started choking her at a haunt when she popped out. And she came home, like, fucked up from this experience and, like, covered in bruises and... Like, I, that's an aspect I hadn't really thought about, is, like, because, of course, um, fight, flight, or freeze, of course there are going to be people who are going to instinctively give you a Shibata headbutt if you pop out at them. Yeah. Um, and, like, she is a, she is a baby angle. I, I love her. Like, she, and it's, it's such a difference in ethos to me between her and, um, the dude who, who tortures people, because... She talks about the people and giving them an experience, and she talks about how this is it's part of this experience where we all love being scared. She loves scaring. It's like a big group hug with latex masks, you know what I mean? And so so Ross Slick Dick is only in it for himself. That's exactly it. It's like Ross Slick Dick is going into business for himself where he talks about I do it for the footage of people suffering. I do it all for I the footage. I do it because I can wear my own t-shirt to a movie premiere and get photos with spooky girls. Yeah, like this guy like and it's such a different thing to me that and again, this guy has no skin in the game where in the documentary, they talk about how, like, oh, he's afraid of snails, he's afraid of everything, and he's really squeamish. And, and now, and now, let's contrast that with something that's uh, just under um, that, which is a place in California that a dude I know um, personally that I actually went to Not Scary Farm with a couple months ago. Uh, he went to this thing in, in uh, California called the Blackout. And they and, talk about this in the documentary too. Yeah, the, yeah, like the blackout, like and and that, that to me is like this is just a tier below that because like the blackout, I personally would never in my life elect to go to the blackout. Um, I that's not an experience I like. I like getting scared. I don't like getting um, tortured. And it's a different thing to me because with the blackout, they mentioned like there's a safe word. Like with the blackout, if you call the safe word, you can get the fuck out of there if you need to. Where the dude that runs the torture hut in his in his house, they apparently in later days have added a safe word, parentheses, that is ignored and forgotten. They ignore the safe word when you call it. But the blackout will do it. Now, the thing they didn't go into uh, into in the documentary that I was wondering about is that the dude that I knew who went, uh, the, the dude that I know who went to go do the blackout um, was told like, all right, so if the scene gets too intense and you need to get out, if you call the safe word, the experience ends for everybody in your group. And so... No pressure. No pressure. So that's a, a form of fucking coercion that I cannot abide. But if, if that's not true, I at least respect that they have a safe word. And, you know, if you would like to do this experience, if, you, if, you're, if your soul is leaving your body and you're having a dissociative episode and you feel like you're going to have a heart attack, you can get the fuck out of there. I think... It's good that this documentary shows both sides of the coin so thoroughly because there are mm. some like soaring high, I want good things for these people moments. Yeah. And there are the lowest of the low, you are scum and I hate you moments. Yeah, it makes you feel fucking gross in your soul. And actually, um, one of the dudes that I love and want his life to be good, 
Um, he, uh, I forget the guy's name. He, he was running a haunt out of his mom's house and charging for it and was like trying to go legit and start his own haunted house. Um, which first of all, thoughts and prayers to his wife. She, she seems very sweet and very long suffering, but just not into Halloween. No, not into Halloween and not into losing this part of her life every, every year. Um, but this guy, I love that he talks when he's talking about a sleeve McDichael that he's like, look, that Bobson Dugnut guy, that's he's a hack. Because listen, if you give me uh, duct tape and a chair and a box cutter, I can give you that experience, and that doesn't take any craft. That doesn't, you know, require anything of me as a haunter. Like that's. Not- I also love that that guy says that uh, Ricky Dicky is going. Ricky Dicky Tavi is going to put him out of business because they're going to add regulations because he's actually like murdering people. Yeah, I guess so the- that uh, you know the the small time uh, neighborhood haunts are going to be regulated out of existence because of it. So he's like, "Fuck that guy." <laughs> it's like the Superhuman Registration Act, isn't it? Like, listen, you yes, keep wild not yes, like this, this you're going to is- bring hell down on all of us. And well, and and, and so um. Uh, that's one of my big problems also with Bobson Dugnut is that like, so his thing in California, um, I think went shithouse or got closed down or something. So now he's like, it got uh, closed down in the documentary because the building inspector's like, you can't just tack on a haunted house to your actual house. Right. You don't have a permit for this. (laughs) Right. And also like, even in the documentary, they call him on when he's like, listen, no one's ever gotten hurt. And then the documentarian off camera is like, you mean aside from the guy that had the heart attack? And then he gets that shitty little, like, Little League coach has had one too many wine spritzers at the ice cream social grin. And he's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> except for that guy that had the heart attack. Um, God, I wish L upon this man. But anyway, so the other thing that I loved about this documentary is that it made me love Halloween. Like, it made me, yes. like, feel like, you know. And this is the thing, right, Quincy? We run a horror movie podcast. We are on our ghoul shit. And I think that occasionally it can be really good to sort of uh, take stock of that and assess it and be like, okay, are there lines? Am I being an ethical ghoul, right? Yeah, yeah. What what does it take to not lose yourself in... I was going to bust into Eminem, but I can't do it. I don't know <laughs> the lyrics. <laughs> That's it. All you know is Mom's Spaghetti, and then it's... Yeah, yeah. What does it take to not lose Mom's Spaghetti? <laughs> Holy shit. Um, but yeah, like, and as, a, as, a, as horror fans and, like, people who are generally living that horror lifestyle, I loved watching this because it made me feel, it gave me warm fuzzies because it made me feel like I had a sense of fucking community with people who run these haunts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And although I am not into haunted houses, I've been to a grand total of one Ever. Oh, wow. Wow, really? And one in a Halloween maze. So the un... So one was a fun... I guess it's a, called a fun house. Mm-hmm. So I've been to a fun house and a haunted house. So is this, like, by design? Like, you specifically don't fuck with haunted houses? Or you just haven't had the chance? I mean, that's not my... You know, I'm scared of freezing in the snow and getting eaten by a bear. <laughs> I don't... Also, the only haunted house I went to was a rural Tennessee haunted house. Oh, yeah. Literally, everyone at the haunted house had a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think you so it's like them. if you think this chainsaw is scary, <laughs> where are you gonna get this... a load of this chainsaw? 
And now we're in the room where we're blaring Godsmack. <laughs> True horror. Godsmack and everybody's got a chainsaw. I think that's actually one of the circles Actually, the scariest part of that haunted house was they buried a mattress in the ground. So when you stepped on it, your knees would buckle. Oh. And because this was in a, on a farm and it was in the dirt... It looked like mud, and my friend that was with us was wearing white Nikes, and he, like, melted down because he thought he had to step in mud to Aww. get through the haunted house. Aw, friend. <laughs> Listen, you gotta keep the white Nikes okay, man. Yeah, yeah. So, this movie's going high. Almost. Oh, yeah, it is. And and also, side note here, um, especially with haunted houses, like, I love haunted houses. Um, I... I don't know, like, I and I, I think that one of the things that I love about them is what's integral to integral to me about a haunted house is that you have to be able to have a laugh immediately afterward. Like, it's 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 like a big ridiculous group hug. Where like, I think most like so much of my ire is devoted to people who go to haunted houses and no sell and act like dicks because like man, like don't. Scared. Orange girl, or like try to fuck with the monsters or something because like listen man this is a fun communal experience we're all here because we want to get spooked please don't uh try to put yourself over at the expense of everybody else's fun so the highest rated documentary is mm-hmm. the jeffrey dahmer files Oh, this is way this better than... documentary owns Bones. It's way better than... <laughs> it most certainly owns Bones. And I love that both of us were, like, talking with our partners about this for, like, hours after we watched it. Oh, yeah. And, and maybe that's something to it as well, is we actually can watch this with with normies. Um, oh, I'm sorry yeah. I used that word. Uh, <laughs> and they enjoyed it, too. That's actually a good point. Like, I, I honestly really do value it when it's, like... A movie like Raw or something that I can watch with Christina without feeling like a fucking gross little dude. Like the uh, melted dude in the waiting room in Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> that is frequently how I feel. Uh, with The with guy me. that burned himself in bed. Right. Which, <laughs> now he's yeah. just a skeleton smoking cigarettes. Which, by the way, has been me since quitting smoking. So I identify on a, sp- <laughs> a spiritual level with the smoking guy in the lobby in Beetlejuice. So um, is Haunters the Art of the Scare better than Gremlins 2? I would say yes. It can't be better than the lure, can it? Hmm... <sighs> Okay. Before you say no, I have listened to the Lure soundtrack so much on Bandcamp, they've sent me a message saying, Hey, Cheapskate, why don't you buy this album? <laughs> and you're like, uh, listen, I, you, I, I make professor salary. Please right? give me this When version. you hit no, the, the pop-up breaks in a shattered heart and <laughs> falls down your screen. That is some next-level Paso Agro, and I salute Bandcamp for that. <laughs> That's that's fucking great. Um, I I don't think it's better than the lure, at least because um, this is a great documentary about stuff that I wanted to learn about. Um, so that was already a thing I wanted, and then there was a documentary that gave me that, where the lure was a goth mermaid horror musical that I didn't know I needed. Yes, and now that you have it, you ask, how do I? How did I know? Right. <laughs> Right, like, where, where has the lure been all my life? Specifically, where was it when I was 19 and would have listened to nothing but this soundtrack uh, for months on end? Yeah, like me. Uh, yep. So, under the lure is Seeding of a Ghost. Oh, buddy. All right, now, here's, all right, here's, here's what it is. 
Which is better uh, or worse? The third act of seating of a ghost with some of the most bonkers, shit-the-bed crazy effects we have ever had the, the privilege to see, or a documentary that made us think and revel and and um, worry? I feel like our ire is really stoked with Haunters, but I fear that I'm never going to revisit this documentary. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. Pro- I'm probably never going to watch this again, because I feel like I've pretty much sucked the marrow out of it. But I have watched <laughs> just the third <laughs> act of Seating of a Ghost several times since recording. Oh, same. Completely Like, same. I've kept the DVD explicitly for that purpose. <laughs> so going by that, I think it uh, the only place for Haunters would be between Seating of a Ghost and Gremlins 2, the new batch. So our new number 57 is Haunters, the Art of the Scare. Like, seriously? Go watch this on Netflix right fucking now. Yeah, seriously, y'all? Like, this, even if you're not into horror and you're just into, like, interesting, weird documentaries, holy shit. Haunters is just a fucking delight. Okay, we have time for probably one listener request. Yeah, what do you want to do? Duncan Parker Newton Gaines, a friend of the show, wants us to rank Santa's sleigh. Motherfucking Santa's sleigh. So for those of you who have not had the pleasure of seeing it, uh, wrestling superstar Bill Goldberg plays uh, an ancient Santa Claus who, uh, for the last, like, 2,000 years or so, has been forced to be Santa Claus as punishment for, like, losing an arm wrestling match or some shit. No, losing a game of curling. That's right. He lost it. It curling. is the most Canadian movie possible. <laughs> he lost. You lost it curling. Thus, your Santa for two thousand years. Um, and then he has. Uh, so he's finally shaken off the shackles of Santadom, and he ha- and he goes on a killing spree. This movie is very good. <laughs> right. This was. Um, I before I even knew that that was Bill Goldberg. This was the movie that I would see at my local video shack in high school. And I didn't see it until much later, and uh, I love Santa's sleigh. Yeah, it is a Christmas much must-watch along the lines of Gremlins. Yeah, it's now, it's not good, obviously. obviously. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's a comfort food. It's a very pleasing way to spend an hour and a half. Yeah, no, yeah, this is, um, this is a uh, novelty pumpkin pie-flavored potato chip from 7-Eleven is what this is you, you eat the whole bag it was it, enjoyable you're kind of confused it wasn't necessarily um what you thought it was going to be but it's great so that's raw force oh shit that is a pumpkin pie flavored potato chip so where would this movie go on our list uh oh man now santa's sleigh all right all right all right all right so i would say the movie it is absolutely not better than is uh, Chopping Mall. All right. Yeah, Chopping Mall has... Uh, robot uh, Murder. Robot Murder, uh, Lenny and Quigley. It can't be better than Night of the Demons either. No, it's not that good. And also, it's not as good as It Stains the Sands Run. So let's uh, dive a little farther down the list. Um, um, oh, 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 here we go. All right. Is it better or worse than Good Tidings, another Murder Santa movie? It is better than Good Tidings. Yes. Yes, it is. Is it better? Um, it is not. All right. Is it better than the Black Christmas remake? Uh, No, but just barely not as good. Mm-hmm. But it is probably better than... I think it than... should go below Black Christmas and better than The Curse with Will Wheaton. 
Yeah, I think it's above the curse. Okay, so that is 113, is Santa's Slay. Oh, and that's yeah. Slay, S-L-A-Y. Oh, obviously S-L-A-Y. And actually, um, let's go hell for leather here. Let's talk about it real quick. The Witch, a New England fucking folktale. Requested by Matt Cox. Thank you for that. Number um, fucking one. <laughs> number one! I, lo- I love The Witch so much. Um, it can't be number one, but I saw this movie live in the theater. Oh, and buddy. The, the theater reactions and the squirming and the screaming and the dude that came 30 minutes late and yelled, What the fuck is this? <laughs> that is... That's perfect. They I mean, that guy... the cockles of my heart on cold winter nights. Yeah, that hor- horror is still alive. It's out here doing it, making this happen on a Tuesday night. Um, now, the thing that I... Re- so I've rewatched The Witch a whole mess of times. Um, and I think this is actually my argument against, like, is our attention span uh, depleted? Because here's the thing. This is also a slow burn horror movie. Um, but... It makes so much use of every fucking scene. It builds the atmosphere. Um, and I realized, you know who the big bad is in The Witch? The dad? God. God oh, is the big is. bad of The Witch. Because that's who they're terrified of. Like, God is the reason they got fucking exiled from the rest of their village, and they, they live in complete terror of pissing him off. Oh, and that dad can't do anything right? Oh. Oh, he's a dildo. The dad in this movie. And then he dimes his daughter out hard. Like, he just leaves her swinging in the wind. Um, he, he is he is a shit dad in New England. Um, and the witch, like, I... Now, here's the problem, though. My only complaint about the witch is that I follow a Twitter called 70s Dinner Party, which posts photos of, like, old-timey cookbooks with, like, everything is full of gelatin and cocktail weenies, and it's all green and terrifying. And it is a physical struggle for me not to quote tweet every one of their tweets with "Wouldst thou like to live deliciously?" Um, yes. And that's yeah. Like honestly, like the ending of this movie, it and and I think it's also a perfect example of like doing so much with so little. Also, the attention to detail—they hired a thatcher to thatch the roofs to be period accurate. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, they that. found the one guy who can thatch <laughs> roofs, and they said, you, sir, thatch my roof. <laughs> they found the crustiest dude at Renfair, and were like, all right, my guy, we've got, we got something. We got something for you. Yeah, yeah, and, like, the small attention to detail, like, the dad can only chop wood. That's the only thing he's good at. And just the piles of chopped wood on the side yes. of the house. Yes, that's like um, that's like the one way in which he's able to be the 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 protecty father figure, good Christian man thing that is expected of men in New England society in this period. And he just does also, that, and he's out to lunch on everything else. Also, you know why this movie didn't fuck around. What's that? In the first 30 minutes, they gr- a witch grinds a baby in a mortar and pestle to make her broom fly. <laughs> yeah, she does. Like, And honestly, like, uh, I think witch horror is such an underrated genre of horror. And I think that, or I don't know if it's underrated, but I feel like we know that it's there, but we don't really think about it the way that we think about, like, slashers and werewolf movies and vampire movies. But, like, yeah, we're not is... out here talking about witches enough. Not enough. And this movie sort of under like underscores that where it's like and and again it's not like an action-packed mile a minute high octane you know scare ride uh hayride it's not a high octane hayride um 
but it will I, like when I when I saw this, it left me fucking spooked for like days after I saw it. Oh, for sure, it was intrusive uh, to my well-being. Yeah, yeah, me too, and that that puts it pretty high. So, so movies that have fucked my shit up mm-hmm. are Ghost Watch. Uh huh. The Babadook. The Babadook fucked my shit up real bad. The Exorcist. Uh huh. Um, Get Out. Yeah. Alien. Mm hmm. And most of all is Halloween. Yeah, Halloween is is very much a like your little Hamlet is not safe. So I don't feel like the witch can go above Alien. No, no, no. And actually, I, honestly. My heart's... I, I think that... Now, all right. Do you remember when Brett Easton Ellis was showing his ass on Twitter being like, I don't get this new fad with indie art house horror, and he listed, like, The Babadook, The Witch, and It Follows as examples of movie he movies he hates, where it's like, oh, you mean movies about women and also themes and also are competent? <laughs> movies that best, actually... <laughs> the best horror movies of the past 20 years. Yeah, like, like the most, like... Not 20, but, like... Well, certainly of the past 10, certainly in the post-Saw malaise. Like, these are the ones post-Saw that have been out here doing it. And so I, I the, the closest one that I would want to group it with would be The Babadook, but yeah. I also think that The Witch... I, I don't think it's better than Train to Busan. Yeah, that's fair, because... And we were talking about this on Twitter. Train to Busan takes uh, zombies and makes them relevant again. The witch does that with witches. Yeah, it does. And but again, zombies needed more help than witches. Yeah, yeah. Zombies needed a shot in the arm after all of the horseshit that poured out in like the post two thousands. Um, but like, also Train to Busan, I think it's so different from the witch in that it's very sweet in a lot of ways yeah like there's a tenderness with the father in train to busan where you know i I feel like the witch is just listen to me no one out here is going to help you and here's your buddy black philip he's going to show you a good time the whole movie is you're fucked (laughs) yeah it is just holy shit just i and, and when i say bleak I feel like a lot of things that I hate I describe as bleak. This is, like, enthusiastically, fucking fist-pumpingly bleak. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. But I also think in execution, I think it constructs atmosphere better than the Babadook. And I love the Babadook, but I think it does a better job of atmosphere. Oh, for sure. So, our new number eight is the witch matt cox thank you so much for suggesting such a good movie <laughs> sorry for grabbing the mic where i'm like no we're talking about the witch um which I, I i don't know why the stylization of that is my favorite thing but it makes me just want to spell every w with two v's um, it's so good it's, it's it's like churches with the the v instead of the u oh yeah it's yeah like, yeah like that weird little weird little bit of mythology um quincy yeah. where can our listeners find us online they can find us on Twitter at RankinVileCast. They can find us on Tumblr, uh, RankinVile.tumblr.com. I actually reblogged some gifts today, so yeah. there will be something slightly newer. <laughs> uh, you can also uh, find us on Instagram at RankinVile, and you can shoot us an email, uh, RankinVileCast at gmail.com. 
you want to send us a review, if you uh, if you want to send us a request, if you are a reviewer and you have a screener you'd like us to see, if you're a filmmaker, um, if you want to get to us about advertising or guesting on the show or whatever, you just want to say you're wrong, sh- drop us a line. We'll talk. Um, that's it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and and once again, like I, I love that we've been digging into so many like listener requests lately because we kind of have a backlog. And I think a lot of people who I love who have been listening to the show forever, God bless you and your patience in waiting for us to talk about the movies you want us to talk about. So yeah, thanks, you've been really cool about it. Um, <laughs> and thank you so much for our very uh, enthusiastic listeners. Um, I think. We're not at a point where we need to put a rule on how many, like, you're allowed to send us at once, mm-hmm. but, uh, we got, please keep sending them, because that's the only way that we will stop watching, um, really bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, save us from ourselves, please, otherwise it's us face down in fucking Lloyd Kaufman's toilet, so. Alright. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is the worst toilet. Alright, have a, have a, have a good week, guys. Bye. <laughs>